On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, I've got highlights and analysis from everything that Elon Musk and the Tesla executive team talked about at this week's Q2 earnings call. There is a lot to talk about. Stay tuned. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 208 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for July 28th, 2019. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and to my left, a very lazy Daisy the Boxer puppy who is just laying around on her couch. But she's happy I'm back. She, she gave me uh, quite the the full butt wiggle when, when I walked in the door after getting back from my one-week trip to the East Coast. It was hot. I flew straight into a heat wave into Baltimore, Maryland, I was there uh, to catch a couple ball games with my uh, three of my baseball-loving uncles. Uh, we all get together once a year in a different city. We've just started that tradition. Started it last year, and we chose Oriole Park at Camden Yards. St- just stunning ballpark, amazing place. Baltimore baseball fans, you are very, very lucky people. But yeah, we flew straight into the heat wave. Just couldn't have had uh, much worse luck with the weather in that regard. 100 degrees plus some significant humidity. The the phone said, feels like 109 on both days. So, you know, a little toasty, but always good to get out to a ball game and had a really good time. And by the way, shout out to Baltimore. I saw a lot of Teslas in downtown Baltimore there by the Inner Harbor. So great to see that. I then also got to uh, spend some time. I went back up north to New Jersey, where I'm originally from, to spend some time with one of my, actually both of my uncles that are that are still there. So really nice, relaxing trip. And while I was gone, the uh, Q2 earnings call happened for Tesla. They, As I told you before I left, they moved it up. It was a little earlier than expected, which led a lot of people to believe that the news was going to be very good. And fiscally, it wasn't quite as good, I think, as what a lot of people were hoping for. I'll get to all that and more. I've got all the highlights here, if you're, if you're new to the podcast, as I know a lot of people are since the Elon interview, what I like to do on the earnings calls every quarter is I listen to them, I take all my notes, and then I chop them up, and I just uh, I take all the best audio clips, just the most relevant stuff, so you're effectively getting a, a nice digested version of it here. Uh, so you don't have to sit through the whole thing, and I'll, I'll you know tell you what I think of, of everything that was said. So uh, that's what this episode is. It's a little different than the normal episodes. There's one of these a quarter. I really like doing these. It takes me quite a while. The nice part was I had a five and a half hour plane ride home. So I was just, I had nothing else to do except work on this earnings call. So I listened to it, took my notes, chopped it up all on my laptop, got it all all uh, squared away pretty much other than than some cleanup stuff. So let's get right to it. Here is Elon Musk's opening statement from the Q2 earnings call, and we'll talk about it a little bit. So last quarter, we delivered more than 95,000 vehicles, which is a record for Tesla. Uh, to put that in perspective, it's nearly an 80% increase in deliveries compared to the second quarter of last year. Uh, the, I think it's, it's, it's sometimes hard for people to appreciate when you have a large manufactured item with a complex global supply chain, just how difficult that is. Um, I'm incredibly proud of the Tesla team for being able to, to do that. Um, I think this, this level of growth is I mean, possibly unprecedented. It might, might be the fastest that 
that any large complex manufactured item has has grown in history. Um, so, uh, just a re really great work by the Tesla team to achieve that outcome, um, and you know we we, we expect uh, growth to continue uh, into the future at you know for, for several years to come at at the 50 to 100 percent level. So, uh, yeah, I just like generally think that that is not well appreciated um, how difficult it is to grow at at that at that rate. Um, so anyway, but <clears throat> uh, achieving a record number of deliveries is an important milestone and shows the rapid progress we've made in managing a global logistics and delivery operation at at high volume. And uh, as I said, all this was achieved thanks to the tremendous hard work of the entire Tesla team. Uh, Model 3 was once again the best-selling premium vehicle in the U.S., outselling all of its gas-powered equivalents combined. In Europe, Model 3 is approaching sales levels of its established premium competitors, and it was awarded a five-star rating from the Euro NCAP earlier this month. This is in addition to Model 3 receiving an overall five-star rating in the U.S. from NHTSA, and, uh, including earning five stars in every category and subcategory, um, and hand, uh, achieving the, the lowest probability of injury of any vehicle ever tested. Uh, Motor Trend also recently selected Model S as the best vehicle they have ever tested in their 70-year history across all other cars. So Motor Trend, which is uh, I think arguably the, the, the leading authority in uh, evaluating vehicles, the Motor Trend Car of the Year is, is the most coveted award. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible that they would say that Model S in their entire 70-year history is the, the best vehicle they have ever evaluated. But this is despite Tesla not buying any advertising in Motor Trend, and I think speaks to their journalistic integrity. Um, that's, uh, that's something special. So, um, and, and since the vehicle that they evaluated, we've actually made uh, tremendous advancements in both Model S and Model X, including our recent update of a new uh, suspension uh, with uh, active damping capability and uh, a new, an all-new drive drivetrain that's capable of uh, a 370-mile range in the Model S and a 325-mile range in the Model X. We've also uh, issued numerous software uh, updates and improvements that have made Model S and Model X faster, safer, and added dozens of new features. Just like Model 3, Model S and X have the hardware needed for future full self-driving capability. As we look ahead to the rest of the year and into 2020, we remain focused on launching new vehicle and energy programs, uh, further expanding our manufacturing operations, and continuing to improve customer service. Uh, we, we remain focused on, on international expansion because local production is essential to being cost competitive. Uh, by the end of this year, we'll, we expect to be producing Model 3s in, in volume out of Gigafactory Shanghai. And as you can see from the photos in our quarterly letter, equipment installation there is progress, progressing well. Uh, we also have to finalize location for our European Gigafactory before the end of the year. Uh, here in Fremont, preparations for Model Y production have already begun. Uh, since Model Y has high component overlap with Model 3, it should be, and we expect it to be, a lot easier to ramp. Um, it's something on the order of, of three quarters of all the parts are, are common between Model 3 and Model Y. Um, and, and we expect manufacturing costs for Model Y, despite 
additional content to be approximately the same as Model 3. Uh, this quarter we opened uh, 25 new service locations and added more than 100 mobile service vehicles to our fleet. And although our fleet, uh, the, the, our total uh, Tesla fleet size has doubled uh, in the past 12 months, which is like, again, just like a, kind of a crazy thing to consider that Tesla is, uh, you know, almost doubling all cumulative production every year. This is a, this is a totally mad thing. Um, to, to, to make as many cars in a, in a year as, as we've made in our entire history um, and to have that be an ongoing trend, I think it, it, it is difficult for people to really feel an exponential. Uh, we didn't evolve to feel an exponential. We can feel a linear, but, but we can only understand an exponential at a cognitive level. But Tesla is expanding at an, at an exponential rate. Um, and, and in fact, if you look at the Tesla cumulative deliveries uh, chart, like year over year cumulative deliveries, it's it's about the cleanest exponential graph I've ever seen. So, obviously, if that trend continues, the results I think are going to be pretty amazing, and I think that will continue. Um, so uh, we've been able, we're able to improve service considerably, um, and you can imagine that if, if obviously if, if if we're doubling our fleet every year, um, managing service is, is quite difficult. It's like the total because service scales as the not just with new production but as, as the total fleet scales, uh, service needs to scale, um, and we, we want to scale service in a way that's sensible from a cost standpoint. Um, but, but it, it's really quite a, a difficult challenge to scale. Nonetheless, we've made massive improvements in service, especially in parts waiting. It's time, time to wait for parts and, and in collision repair. And we've insourced quite a, a great deal of the collision repair activities, which has uh, had, I think, quite a good effect on customer happiness. Uh, and this will, this will continue in the months to come. Uh, uh, so it, it, uh, a very important milestone, I think, we, we believe Tesla has, is now at the point of being self-funding, and we expect to be cash flow, a free cash flow positive in, in future quarters, uh, with the possible temporary exceptions around uh, the launch and ramp of a new product. Um, um, for, from a profitability standpoint, we expect to be probably around break-even this quarter and profitable next quarter. Um, so that's, uh, I, I you know, feel pretty pretty confident about that. Um, and then in terms of deliveries, we expect deliveries to be between 360 and 400,000. Uh, we expect production to be a slightly higher number than that. Um, and demand to be a slightly higher number than, than that. So the people often confuse deliveries, production, and orders for, for Tesla, and they're, they're actually three different numbers. Um, so, yeah, you, you obviously cannot deliver more than you make. Uh, so typically we'll make more than we deliver. Um, and then uh, to demand, 
demand generation activities kind of move in kind of like a um, it, 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 you know it, it, in, to get together with production like it, it doesn't make sense to put a lot of effort into demand generation if if production can't meet the, the demand then um, likewise so, so w what tends to happen is that we'll solve the production issues then it's like okay we need to increase demand uh, address demand then uh, then increase production then increase demand uh, and and like it's, it's like people get caught up in these details a lot but if you look at the actual results like I said look look at cumulative deliveries over time for Tesla cleanest exponential I've ever seen extrapolate that curve so there's a trend not to be excited about at Tesla and we'll have more share in the coming uh, weeks and months so as you can hear, Elon has a pretty low-key tone there. He's, he's not ecstatic, as we've heard him at times on these earnings calls, but he's also not super sullen either, which we've also heard on these earnings calls in the past. Ultimately, the company was not profitable this quarter, and I was personally not particularly accurate in my prediction that it was going to be close either way. I thought it would either be a slim loss or a slim profit. Tesla lost $400 million in Q2, which isn't an insane loss, but I wouldn't exactly call it a small loss either. Now, to address what Elon said there in that opening statement, the things that jumped out at me were twofold. First, that Tesla is expanding at an exponential rate. So this should continue for the foreseeable future because if you're a Tesla fan and you look at the near future, not even the long-term future, just the near-term future of Tesla, you see the Shanghai Gigafactory as some serious low-hanging fruit for growth. You know, that when that place opens and is producing cars, boom. Tesla said, by the way, that that plant should be capable of 150,000 cars per year once it ramps up. That's 3,000 cars a week. And that's coming up soon. I mean, that, that building went from uh, nothing in a, in a field to now there's machinery going into it. They're going to be making cars soon. And then you have the Model Y launch next fall. And given the manufacturing lessons that Tesla's learned from the Model 3 and the fact that there is 75% parts commonality with the Model 3, that should allow the Model Y ramp to hopefully go much faster and less painful, uh, be a less painful ramp than the Model 3. So, uh, and then after that, if you look a little further out, you've got Gigafactory 4 somewhere in Europe that represents another big revenue growth opportunity in, in the not-too-distant future. So the point is there is a lot to be optimistic about. And then the other thing, the other thing that was big in that opening statement was Elon's comment about Tesla being about at the point of being self-funding. I mean, that is going to be something that is quite simply vital. It, you know, not, that doesn't overstate it. Vital to their long-term health. And hopefully they can get there very, very, very soon. You heard Elon pre predict a break-even quarter for Q3, which is what we're in now. And then he said he thought they would be profitable in Q4. So here's hoping that Tesla is on the right track for that. Okay, let's continue. After the opening statement, 
Elon invited Zach Kirkhorn, the new CFO of Tesla, who took over for Deepak, to come in and uh, and give a little bit of a statement. I've got just one little clip from that. Take a listen to this. We also successfully raised roughly $2.4 billion in net proceeds in May. Thus, we exited the quarter with $5 billion in cash and cash equivalents, the highest in our history. $5 billion in cash exiting the quarter, the most they've ever had. So if you hear anybody out there crowing on about Tesla's inevitable bankruptcy anytime soon, feel free to immediately dismiss them as a fudster because uh, $5 billion cash on hand, Tesla won't be going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, continuing here with a clip on the average sale price for Model 3, as well as one other very interesting note about full self-driving. For Model 3, global ASP stabilized during the quarter at roughly $50,000, a sequential reduction, yet gross profit per Model 3 improved, representing the continued success of our cost management efforts. Note that we continue to defer a significant portion of revenue associated with full self-driving, which will be recognized in future periods upon the release of additional features. Take note of that last bit in particular. Tesla can't count their full self-driving revenue from an accounting perspective until those features start to roll out. You know, I wonder if that's why Elon has been adamant that those city full self-driving features will be available by the end of the year, since Elon said in his opening remarks that he expects Tesla to be profitable in Q4. So perhaps the full self-driving money is... Uh, being able to be counted is part of that. You know, that's uh, those two things. I wonder if it's fair to connect the dots on those. All right, this next clip is one that is particularly impressive, I think, and it's just really great to hear. Uh, it is from Zach. Uh, if we take a step back here, I think it's important to remember that Tesla is on a long-term journey, and it's difficult to see the full picture looking quarter to quarter. We committed that Model 3 would be a transformative product, both for the industry and our business. Three years ago, we unveiled the Model 3. Two years ago, we brought the product to market. One year ago, we demonstrated our ability to build the Model 3 at high rate. So far this year, we've demonstrated our ability to manage global deliveries and logistics at a higher rate. But the most important thing is that we've demonstrated our ability to generate significant organic demand, as nearly all orders generated in Q2 were non-reservation holders. And thus far in Q3, our order pacing is ahead of where we were at this point in Q2. And as we noted in our Q2 production and delivery release, our order backlog increased over the course of Q2. Ultimately, the Model 3 is accomplishing what our business needs it to do. It expanded our sales and customer base, enabling us to generate cash we need to reinvest. In the process, we've appropriately managed our operating expenses and have reduced the cost of running the business. This is critically important because I feel as though we've broken through a baseline fixed cost barrier enabled by the success of the Model 3 business. Listen to what Zach is saying there. Model 3 is a success. Not it's a great car, but the Model 3 program is a success. From manufacturing it, to selling it, to uh, manufacturing organic demand for it, it is a win. It is quite simply a win. Remember, the Model 3 was a bet-the-company moment, according to Elon. It absolutely had to be a success. So it's, it's just so awesome to hear that it is, by any 
and every single metric. I mean, it is the foundation for which the company will be able to move forward. You know, they'll build Model Y off the back of the Model 3. So, man, it was just cool to hear that. I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into that one statement, but that really stuck out at me while listening to this earnings call. Okay, uh, the other thing that really stuck out at me was something that Elon just, before they got to the Q&A with investors, Elon jumped in and said this. Important update uh, is uh, uh, J.B. Stravel, uh, co-founder and chief technology officer, will be transitioning to a senior advisor from the CTO role. Uh, and uh, Drew Beckmino will be taking over uh, uh, most of J.B.'s responsibilities. Um, I'd like to thank J.B. for his fundamental role in, in, in creating and, and, uh, and building Tesla. Thank you, J.B. Thanks, Elon. Um, the, if, if we hadn't had lunch in 2003, Tesla wouldn't, wouldn't exist, basically. It's like, it's been, uh, it's, yeah, it's been a, quite an adventure of 16 years. Yeah. It's lunch with you and Hal, Hal Rosen at Smith & McCormick & Schmicks in Alsgindo. <laughs> That's the reason Tesla exists. I remember it well. Yes. <laughs> and uh, maybe just to, to, to add a bit more to that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not disappearing, and you know, I, I just want to make sure that people understand that this is not um, not some you know lack of confidence in the company or the team or anything like that. Uh, it's, I, I love the team and I love the company, and I, I always will. Uh, so, you know, Drew and. Uh, Drew and I have worked closely together for many, many years, and uh, you know I have total confidence in Drew and, and not going anywhere. If there's anything I need to do to be helpful to, to Drew or the whole team or, or any of the ongoing projects, so um, yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm actually you know really happy with uh, with how we've kind of you know phased and, and transitioned uh, some of these different projects and people in, and I feel like this is a, a super good process overall. Um, you want to say uh, I'll just say, uh, you know, obviously uh, big big shoes to fill, uh, JB. Um, but uh, we have been working closely. At, in fact, we were even talking about this project back in 2003, uh, all along. And uh, wait, you guys talked about it in 2003 as well? Yes. Well, yeah, 2003 is a good year. I was graduating and I didn't know what to do. So okay. I was like, oh, we should do this project. Uh, but uh, no, I. I uh, I'm, I'm, I feel exactly as you feel that, um, uh, we, that we are well, well set up, um, that we know uh, how to get help where, where we need to from you, um, and that uh, we're very excited about the, the growth ahead of us, uh, myself and, and the whole team. So. Yeah. Um. And, and I'm excited to stay involved in, in some of our core technologies and, and uh, you know follow that and help where I can, uh, just in less of a less of an operational, obviously less not an executive uh, type role. Sounds good. Well, JB, thanks thanks again for your instrumental role in creating this company, uh, and Andrew as well. <laughs> uh, so um, that's cool that you guys are talking about it in 2003. Yeah. Well, it was like the right year. <laughs> Good year. Good year. It was. It was the. The technology was ready. You know, it was the time. Yeah, the the ion was like fi finally ready. Just needed to be put in a car. AC propulsion. Al Capone, Tom Gage. <laughs> T zero. 
be good to give those guys a lot of credit. Yeah. Yeah, they did some, some pioneering work. Yeah. If you ask me, this was the biggest news on this earnings call, and it wasn't even close. And I will tell you that while I am an admitted Tesla fanboy, I have to say this, this made me sad. I'm not worried, let me be clear, I'm not worried about Tesla's future in any immediate way, but I've said it on this podcast before. J.B. Straubel was, to me, and I'm not a business guy, you know, this is just my uh, completely uneducated opinion here, or at least as educated only as far as the fact that I follow Tesla very closely. But JB was, to me, the, the easy, clear, heir apparent to take over as CEO if Elon ever did step away and to do SpaceX stuff full-time. JB was the, that rock-solid backup plan in that emergency scenario. If you will, uh, for those of you who are sports fans, football in particular, he is the Aaron Rodgers backing up Brett Favre. Okay, that's that's how I see JB Straubel. A Hall of Famer lying in wait, you know, ready ready to back up another Hall of Famer. You know, not and by the way, not that I ever want to see Elon leave, but JB would have to me been the absolute perfect person to step right in and keep the company moving forward without missing a beat with smart visionary leadership and he'd be somebody who would stick to the company's mission statement and not potentially try to twist the company into a let's milk every dime, you know, at not and ignore the mission statement. You know, he he's not that guy at all. So um, that is someone that is the way I see J.B. Straubel. I mean, he would have continued that uh, the mission of of helping transition our society away from fossil fuels. And I would have just felt immediately good about his appointment, again, if Elon ever was not CEO for whatever reason. You know, hopefully we'll never have to cross that bridge, but for now, yeah, I'm bummed. I mean, hey, I wish JB the best. Don't get me wrong. He's been there for 16 years, 16 years since the very beginning, and he has no doubt given a lot of himself to help Tesla get to where they are now and where they are heading. You know, as Tesla fans and Tesla owners, we all owe a big thanks to JB, and and I wish him very well in whatever he decides to do next. If you're curious, Drew Baglino, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, the current vice president of technology, you may remember him. He got a big introduction at the shareholder meeting Perhaps this is why they were kind of, you know, greasing the the skids for this. He will be taking JB's position. And uh, again, you heard JB transitioning to an advisor role. He says he'll still be around. I don't know if that's one of those, you know, uh, placate the shareholder things. And he really won't be there at all, but they're kind of saying he'll be around. But in any case, he will no longer be the, the CTO of Tesla. And that's too bad. So best of luck to him in his next chapter, and best of luck to Drew in in his new role as well. All right, back to the kind of uh, quarter at hand, and let's talk about demand and prices. Uh, We've had some price changes recently, which are, of course, nothing new to Tesla. The uh, executive team was asked about that on the call, and here was Elon's response. 
Uh, sure. There's a, a number of things to consider here. Um, the, 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 there's, there's really two key dimensions for demand. There's um, value for money, and then there's affordability. Um, obviously, if somebody simply does not have enough money to buy the car, it doesn't matter how much the uh, the value, how good the value for money is. You can have infinite value for money. If somebody does, does not have, have the funds to buy the car, they simply can't get it. Um, so this is just very important to, to parse those two. Um, and, um, you know, I think there's like there's a tremendous amount of desire to buy, buy our cars, but people obviously, if they don't have enough money to buy them, they cannot. Um, so we, we have to make, make the cars more affordable. Um, and the effectively, in, in, like in the U.S., our cars got um, almost $2,000 more expensive with the expiry of the tax credit on July 1, or partial expiry. Um, and we, uh, we we only uh, dropped the price of the the the, the standard range plus model three um, by a thousand dollars, or actually, yeah, about about a thousand dollars. So the the uh, base model three actually got a thousand dollars more expensive, um, which seemed like a reasonable compromise. Uh, so that that's. Yeah, that, that's actually what I mean. People sometimes just have these sort of pretty absurd notions, like if uh, if you know if, if demand is high, I can't you just charge any price? Like, no, you cannot charge any price. <laughs> In other words, let me translate that: uh, expect prices to continue to get cut wherever Tesla can do so in a way that's fiscally responsible to the overall health of the business. And again, it's sticking, it's in keeping with the mission statement there. Battery day, they were asked about that, specifically when will the battery day for investors be similar, you know, the follow-up to the autonomy day. Elon had mentioned they'll be doing one for their battery tech, which will include the Maxwell acquisition. So this was Elon's response to that. Yeah, I think for, for her battery day, we're going to do a comprehensive review of cell chemistry um, module and pack uh, architecture and um, a manufacturing plan that uh, it has a clear roadmap to a terawatt hour per year. Now, the timing for this probably is. Um, about six months, like maybe February or March next year. Show and tell. <laughs> Listen to that. One terawatt of battery production per year. Remember, they're at about 24 now. It's actually 28. You'll find out later in the call here, but they're on their way to 35 at the Gigafactory 1. A terawatt, if I have my math right, is 1,000 gigawatt hours. A terawatt of batteries could do a lot of cars and a lot of energy projects per year. I mean, no doubt at that rate, too, the, the, the real serious thing to think about is, okay, well, how? Well, you got to figure that there will be zero cobalt and presumably zero other earth minerals in, in that, uh, when, when Tesla's at that level, because Tesla has previously said that they've been working on reducing their cobalt consumption to zero. So I would imagine this plan to get to a terawatt 
uh, of, of battery per year likely includes the realization of that. Let's move now to the topic of service. Uh, that is a big focus for Tesla currently. Here's Elon Musk on that topic. Uh, I meet with the, the service team uh, multiple times a week uh, and, and get daily updates on the reliability of the vehicle. Uh, we've, you know, like the, the best service, of course, is, is no service. Like that's the, like the vehicle, just reliability and, and quality being, being uh, so good that service is rarely required. That's the, that's the well, that's what the main goal is like uh, eliminate the need for service um, then in terms of increasing service resources as I mentioned we're, we're opening service centers as fast as we as we can um, uh, and, um, uh, and and we have already opened to 25 new service locations this quarter and that that will increase uh, the, the, the rate of service center opening will, will increase dramatically in through the course of this year as well as more more mobile service mobile service is really great because it's like we, we just come to you and fix the car, wherever you are. Um, and uh, that's, it's hard to beat that for convenience. Um, the, for parts delivery, we've made massive improvements to logistics for, for getting uh, getting parts to service centers. Uh, I mean, Jerome, do you want to... Uh, Jerome, Jerome is, is uh, helping manage the, the, the service, uh, the global service, and... Uh, yeah, as, as you pointed out, service, the best service is no service, so we're trying to uh, continue improving the quality of the cars. I'm tracking this daily, um, and fewer and fewer service visits are required uh, for the, the most recent cars uh, that we're building, so we're on a good trend there. Um, we also need a lot fewer um, work to uh, finish the cars in the factory. Uh, besides that, we store way many more parts at all the service centers, and we ship everything same day, uh, pretty much, so that uh, people don't have to wait for car uh, for parts, and we accelerate uh, service, um, and, uh, and we increase our capacity. And there's a lot of improvements uh, that we have already implemented, and many more on the way. So uh, I'm relatively optimistic, and I'm happy to uh, to help with the service team. Yeah. We had, we had the regional service heads in, um, in the U.S. at the factory uh, last week, and it was incredibly helpful. Um, just to close the loop on uh, with with service and production, and with the software team. Um, and for example, like a lot, a lot of service uh, visits are just questions about how to use the car. And, uh, and that's just, the number one visit. Yeah, it's the number one visit is uh, uh, how to use autopilot. Yeah. Um, so yeah. A bit of uh, uh, education there helps. Yeah. Like literally, how do I turn it on? Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like how do I turn it on? Yeah. Okay. So so just just providing better feedback on user interface and literally how do you turn it on? Um, and uh, yeah. A whole bunch of things that are quite elementary to reduce service load. I want to hone in on that comment about how to use the car, and and specifically autopilot being the number one reason for a service center visit. That's a software problem. I took note of this. If you've been listening to the show for a while, back I had noted this back when I helped out with the new customer orientations during deliveries at the Fremont Delivery Hub at the end of Q3 and Q4 last year. I said said it then and I'll say it now. Tesla needs 
an interactive tutorial walkthrough of the car that plays out on the car screen that shows you everything and can be referred to at any time. Heck, make it voice activated. Press your voice command button and ask it, how do I turn on autopilot? And it should bring up that interactive walkthrough tutorial and take you straight to that section. I mean, this is something that Tesla can absolutely address and I hope they will do so soon because the fleet is, as you'll hear Elon and the team talk about later in the call, growing very, very quickly. Uh, speaking of the gigawatt hour progress, which we heard about a couple minutes ago there, here is Drew speaking about where Gigafactory 1 is at as far as its battery output. Uh, we have seen uh, uh, improvements in the 23 gigawatt hour number. We're in the high, high 20s now. Uh, with uh, the trajectory continuing upward, um, we're not we're still about 28 ish. Yeah, 28 ish. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would say we're not still constrained for any of our activities at the moment. Uh, it's, it's, cell volume is approximately matching the production ramp rate. Yes. Yeah. So making some really, really nice progress there. That is great to hear. Okay. Uh, the next thing here, I just wanted to combine a couple of clips together on the same topic from there's, there's, uh, you know, just want to want to shorten this up for you. So, if it sounds just a little awkward in the middle of it, it's just a transition from one clip to another. So here is Elon asked about, basically it's about international demand. And here is the reply. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't want to talk too much about like detailed price plans, but I I mean, if you ask me like, what, what do I think the uh, long-term demand for Model 3 is in you know, the greater China region, I, I think it's about meaning from, from China, Shanghai Gigafactories, I think it's actually long-term demand is about 5,000 a week. Uh, now, our plan is to, uh, well, to, to uh, source cars to greater sort of greater Europe area from from Fremont, California, um, and, and until we have uh, European Gigafactory operational, um, and that, but that that's probably a couple of years before we, you know it's probably 2021 before we have an operational Euro Gigafactory in Europe. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, until that time, we will source from California. Um, yeah, um, you know, like, if, if you say like, like this again, again, this is speculation. It's my opinion, but so what? What, what do I, th I think? Say long-term demand is for Model Three. It's probably fifteen thousand units a week globally, something like that. Of note there is that the shareholder letter mentioned a target of 150,000 Model 3s per year at Gigafactory 3, which is about 3,000 cars per week, assuming a 50-week cycle, and they shut down for you know a couple weeks for, for vacations a year. But you know Elon's figure there, which he did note is longer term, was was different. So you know I wonder what the theoretical maximum production capacity of Gigafactory 3 will be. Hopefully we'll find out the answer to that in in practice, in time, and not just in theory, because that would be a good sign if we actually find out what it is in practice. Okay, here's Elon uh, making quite the forecast, really looking ahead, which, you know, has gotten him in trouble in the past, but I think he, you know, he qualifies himself pretty well here, but here's Elon looking ahead to uh, next year as, as far as what the fiscal health of Tesla should look like in his eyes. Yeah, I think, I think we'll um, ha, ha, demand in, in Q3 
will exceed Q2. It, it, ha it has thus far, and, and, and I think we'll see some acceleration of that. Um, so, and then I, I think Q4 will be, I think, very strong. Uh, so, we uh, expect like quarter over quarter improvements. Um, I think Q1 next year will be will be tough. I think uh, Q, Q3 and 4 will be good. Q1 will be tough. Q2 will be not not as bad, but still still tough. And then I'd say like Q3 and Q4 next year will be incredible. Quite the forecast from Elon there. You know, Q1 is traditionally tough for everyone, all automakers. Uh, you know, Tesla will have the additional disadvantage of the U.S. federal tax credit having just completely and totally ended in, in uh, Q1 2020. And by that point, there may be a number of people who've decided they're going to hold out for Model Y. But Q3 and Q4 2020 being, quote, incredible is no doubt in large part because of the Y, although you've got to remember that it's possible, too, they may start delivering and thus realizing revenue from the first batch of Tesla semi-truck customers as well in that same back half of 2020. Uh, let's talk about Model S and Model X now, shall we? There's a couple of really interesting statements about that uh, throughout the course of this call. And here is the first time that Elon spoke to it. And the he was asked if he sees cannibalization of S sales, S specifically uh, by the Model 3, obviously, since the Model 3 is is not a, a crossover and the Y isn't out yet. But here's Elon on that topic of cannibal, cannibalization and S and X demand. Um, actually, we're not, we we're just talking about this earlier today. We're not quite sure ourselves. Um, I think that there's, gonna, there's some cannibalization. Um, I think maybe uh, a false expectation in the market that there's like some big overhaul coming for S and X, which, which then you know causes people to hesitate to buy if they think there's like some radical redesign coming. Which is why I emphasize publicly that this is not the case. Um, the, the, the Model S and X to today are radically better than the ones that uh, you know when, when we first started production, especially S. Like say like 2013 or 2012 Model S compared to today's Model S, night and day. Um, in fact, I, I, I still run into people I know who have like 2013 Model S, and they, they think it it, ha it hasn't changed. I'm like, it is dramatically better in every way. Um, but but we don't do model years; we we just roll in improvements as they come. So, um, you know, but I, I think there is maybe a, a communications issue where um, people don't realize just how much better the S and X are today than than when we, we first started. Um, and I, we obviously want to address that communications issue, um, and just get get better a better understanding, in, in, you know, of, from the front lines. Like, what um, demand should be higher for SNX than than it is, and 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 we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it and fix it. That was a surprisingly honest answer, and you know, I got to tell you, that's one reason, seriously, why I really appreciate Elon Musk because he just does not generally, almost never gives PR spun answers or outright lies. Like, you know, uh, PR spun answers and or lies are commonplace with other heads of business. 
And Elon straight up admitted that demand for SNX should be higher than it is. And, and the communication issue that he mentioned does make sense. And I think it could be addressed with something that Tesla hasn't yet been willing to do, and that is advertise. So they're going to need to find another creative way to address the perceptions of those cars, the way he talked about, specifically the, the, you know, the much newer, more awesome capabilities that they have compared to when they were uh, first launched. Launched, pardon me. So real quick, before I uh, move on to the next clip, just to put Elon's point into context for you a little bit uh, of what he's talking about, uh, of the evolution of the uh, of the S and X, the S particular, because it's been around for a good bit longer than the X, but the original longest range Model S in 2012, let's, we can even call it 2013. That car, you could get a, a Model S 85, for about, if memory serves, around $80,000, you know, kind of base without any uh, significant options. You know, you could get the performance model, the P85 fully loaded Model S in the original days was uh, just over $100,000. So, but you could get the, you know, just big battery, just looking at range, you know, 80s, somewhere in the $80,000 range. And that cost, that car, that was a 265 mile range battery. Today, fast forward to now, and again, the evolution of the Model S, that same $80,000 gets you a 370-mile range Model S. That is a, I did the math, (laughs) it's a 40% increase, 40% more range in just, you know, six, okay, even call it seven years, but really more like six years for all intents and purposes. So my goodness, you know, he's right, that is... That is just incredible, and you know it's on Tesla to to let their you know their uh, original customers, their their longer term customers, know about that in case you know it, it inspires them to want to move up to a newer Model S. All right, let's go back to talking money and margins and full self driving. Here's Elon on that topic. Uh, well. If you factor in the full self-driving option, I think it it is in play for the year. Um, the you know we, we just need to get, get the features done, make sure they're great, roll them out, and and re- recognize revenue and and increase the the take rate on F, uh, full self-driving. There's also for the the existing fleet, there's a, a very significant opportunity to upgrade the existing fleet to full self-driving, since most of the fleet has not purchased this option yet. So there's a there's a significant um, uh, margin potential for the existing fleet to upgrade to full self-driving, um, which m- most of the fleet can. So, yeah, um, I, I absolutely th- think like long term, we are we are talking twenty five to thirty percent. Not long long term meaning like a year. Um, Long term, by Tesla te- vernacular, uh, that thirty percent gross margin is, I think, quite likely. I would really love to know what Tesla's internal forecasts and goals are for how much of the eligible fleet will get to full self-driving. Will either already have it and upgrade it. So the total amount of cars, uh, percentage-wise, that they think are going to actually have the full self-driving package. Is it 50% of the eligible fleet? Is it, is it more than that? Is it less than that? I, 
I really don't know. I wouldn't even know where to place my bet on that one. I'd, I'd be curious. Next up, uh, Elon is asked about uh, floor space in Fremont and how things are going inside the factory itself and what they're up to in there. Elon and then Jerome, Jerome Guillen, speaking to that topic. Um, well, we, we are reconfiguring the floor space in Fremont, uh, and there's a like quite a lot of, of factory space that's currently taken up with the SX uh, parts warehousing, or part parts for the SX line, and, and we don't really need that. So that's that's where we're putting a lot of the Model Y activity. Um, yeah, Jerome, do you want to? Yeah, we are. Uh, where we're improving the material delivery uh, for uh, SMX, just like we have done for Model 3. I've seen some uh, radical improvements. We reduced uh, production part warehousing cost by, again, 90%, 9-0 since uh, Q3 last year. Yeah. Uh, and so we're making a lot of room. Uh, we have, we're have we much more efficient with parts delivery. It helps uh, that we're increasing production, actually. Um, and so that space that we cleared out, I'm looking at it right now, uh, in, in Fremont, um, we're just going to put more white stuff in there. So every, uh, if you visit the factory from, uh, I would say, every six months, you'd have a hard time recognizing and finding your way. Yeah, It's constantly changing and evolving. Yeah. yeah just so as a follow- I'm sorry, go ahead. So, so I was going to say, like, the, just the efficiency of this factory, uh, both Fremont and Giga, is like the, the, just the rate of improvement, um, which is not slowing down, has, has been incredible. Uh, it's like, you just like, you can feel it. And see it. Um, and just just as a follow-on, then could we see you manage to make eight thousand, you know, seventy-five hundred, eight thousand Model Threes in Fremont by the the end of the year? You think? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, it, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I feel I feel confident of the. It's. Uh, you know, at least to say that the, the trend is very clearly towards being able to get uh, to ten thousand vehicles a week, um, of which. That that would be, you know, those very rough numbers like, like eighty three to eighty six hundred Model Threes and the balance in S and X. So, six sort of, you know, sixteen to eighteen hundred S X, and oh, yeah, in, in round numbers eighty five hundred Threes, fifteen hundred S X per week, um, but probably a bit more than that. I just wanted to note one interesting historical fact here. With, for some context, when Tesla took over the Numi facility from Toyota and GM, they occupied a tiny little corner of that Fremont factory for initial Model S production. I was there. I got to see it. I, I got to walk through it. You could you could walk the entire line. I mean, in and still just look. You could look and just see darkness, empty darkness for for uh, pretty much as far as your eye could see, and. There was just so much empty space, and and at at Numi's peak, GM and Toyota made five hundred thousand cars per year there. So, if Tesla gets to ten thousand cars per week out of Fremont, they will have matched the peak rate that Toyota and GM achieve. The uh, Toyota and GM, pardon me, achieve there. That's that's pretty darn cool, if you ask me, for such a young automaker to you know work their way up and and you know, do something that two established automakers uh, did together in that very same space. You know, that's pretty cool. Uh, Now, battery supply in China. Tesla was asked about that, and here's what Elon had to say. 
I mean, I, I don't know if we want to talk about the details of battery supply, but we, we, we believe we've, we've, we've a good handle on. We don't expect to be to be self constrained in China for the next, you know, year. I don't know. It's true. What do you think? Yeah, that, that's that's what our plan looks like right now. Um, in terms of internal versus external, I think we should wait until we have our discussion uh, early next year. Uh, but yeah, we have agreements in place with, you know, all the we're, we're, we're good for the next year, as you said, Elon. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think like we probably need to like just do like a reset, like I want to say a master plan part part three, but it's sort of like. Uh, yes, maybe to some degree, like battery day will, will be kind of like a national plan part three, um, which is like, okay, how, how do we get from uh, kind of in the tens of gigawatt hours per year to, uh, you know, multiple terawatt hours per year? Um, you know, what that that's that's a pretty giant scale increase. Um, and so, you know, I'd like to increase by sort of roughly 100. Like, you know, if we're like at 28 gigawatt hours right now, um, well, actually, yeah, there's more than that when you count the, the factories in Japan. Uh, so, call like a little over 30, so 35 or something like that. Um, for, then, how do we get to like two terawatt hours a year? You know, which is like so two order magnitude increase. That's the way you have to think about it because yeah. that's what we need to do. Yeah, exactly. In, in order to re- really make a fundamental shift in the world's uh, energy usage and 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 really uh, really transform things to a sustainable energy future, um, if you're not in the terawatt hour range, it's, it's like it's a it's a nice news story, but it's not fundamentally changing the energy equation. Let's think about what Master Plan Part 3 would look like at this point, because Master Plan Part 1 was an inarguable success. By the way, Master Plan Part 1, written in 2006, but it it consisted of Roadster, Model S, and Model 3. And done, done, nailed it. (laughs) That's that's what you can say about the portions, the the key pieces of the, the original secret Master Plan. All three of those cars did their jobs, and they did them very, very well. Part two, Secret Master Plan Part D, had solar with battery storage. It had heavy-duty trucks. It had a minibus. It had self-driving, and it had the Tesla network. So considering that Tesla is still working on all of those, except the minibus, which has been scrapped, I'm not sure what Part three is going to look like in a way that would be substantially different than part two. So I will remain eager to find out what Elon may have in mind for that. Uh, now let's go back to the Model S and the Model X for a moment. This was, you know, I talked a few minutes ago after they first discussed the S and the X and the sort of the numbers being down for it and how honest I thought that was. Well, here's Elon staying real darn honest about the... Uh, the S and the X. Here's a little more. Yeah, I, I think there's probably a bit too much focus on, on S and X. Um, and is this the, the, the S and X are they're they're they're, they're nice, but but they're not. You know, and, and I think it's it's like 
you know, without them, we couldn't spell sexy. So, um, you know, so that, like, I would say, like, you know, the main reason, well, not the main reason, but it, <laughs> a, 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 a reason is we, we, we want to keep spelling sexy. So that's, that, that, I'd like it. That is a reason I should say not the main reason, but the a reason to keep going with s next but but the the, the story for 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 Taz in the future is fundamentally model three and model y and and you know I think like I said like my my guess is like like long term sales of of long term meaning you know in a couple of years type of thing uh demand for sales and demand for and three is like on the order of three quarters of a million units a year uh and it's probably one and a quarter million units a year for Model Y. So the, the, the combined is like maybe two million from those two vehicles alone. Um, and, and then SX is like you know, maybe 80 to 100K uh, a year. So it's like four or five percent of the volume of three and Y. Um, and then you throw like a, a truck in there, pickup truck, and tell the semi, they just get smaller and smaller. So, you know, they're, they're, they're they're great products, but they're, they're from a volume standpoint, they're you know not all that important in the long term. Well, here we go again. A shockingly frank admission from Elon that the S and X are not that important to the long-term plans of Tesla. And I'll tell you, this reminded me of something that a Tesla employee once told me about a year or so ago, and I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the show. Uh, I think it's relevant to mention now and, and not, you know, I'm not going to get anybody in trouble, I don't think, by saying this, but an employee told me about a year ago or so that there was serious consideration within Tesla that was given to killing the Model S when the Model 3 was introduced precisely for this reason. Just, hey, we don't need this car. We've got the Model 3. Let's just get rid of the S and focus entirely on the Model 3. The 3 was the volume product, the one that was going to be the key to the financial growth and sustainability of the company, and the key component of the company's mission statement. Now, obviously, Tesla did not kill the Model S and has not killed the Model S, but that comment from Elon on the earnings call here really reminded me of that of that anecdote that a Tesla employee once told me. It kind of put it into some more context for me. All right, we're still rolling. There is still more. We've got, uh, let's see, just a couple more clips left from the earnings call. We're almost done. Next up is uh, talk, talking about Tesla store, retail locations, and how much or if at all they matter to Tesla's efforts in, in terms of trying to get more people into the Tesla family. Really what we find is that the, the word of mouth for Tesla is incredibly good. So once there is a, a nucleus of customers in a particular area that they love the cars and they talk to their, their, all their friends about it and that, that's really what drives sales so you can think of like like a retail location is kind of like a like a viral seed um, in, in an area uh, it, it would grow organically by itself but uh, but the the retail location essentially is like a viral seed um, but it's not it's not they aren't needed they're just they're, they're like an accelerant um, the, the, what, what's what's what is needed to for, for sales in in any given area? And I'd say this is worldwide. I don't, I, you know, frequently told like this country is different or that country is different. I'm like, people 
around the world pretty much want the same thing. So, in my experience, uh, but they, they have to. You have to have um, a service location uh, it, that's convenient. So it can't be like you've got to drive you know, five hours to a service location. Um, to, you have to have you have to have service. You have to have supercharging and charging well sorted out. You've got to have good consumer financing, and then the price must make sense. Um, and any place where those four things are true, our sales are great. So we're rolling out service centers like crazy. So service centers are the key to sales, not the retail locations. Yeah, and we're going city by city on the service center point. We're looking at where our populations are of existing customers. We're mapping driving time from those customers to the service centers, inclusive of traffic, to improve densification of our service centers in the locations in which our customers currently reside. We do have areas that are underrepresented with service centers where the drive time is too long, or there are populations that don't have appropriate access to charging their service centers, and we're working as fast as we can to get places up and running in those areas. So uh, it's very systematically being mapped out with a focus on service and supercharging as opposed to a retail presence. Yeah. The supercharging is incredibly important. You, you can't just have like 80% of the routes that somebody wants to take. You, you need 100% of the routes. Because a car is like, it's really freedom to travel. And anything that inhibits freedom to travel is, is impairs the fundamental value of the product. Or perceived. Yeah, exactly. Real or perceived freedom to travel. You know, that makes a ton of sense when they explain it. I'm glad they are prioritizing service so much. I mean, really, that's it's so key. And, and quite frankly, supercharging as well. You know, I wouldn't call this a 180 or anything close to that from, from when I interviewed Elon and he said that they can't get too far ahead of building out superchargers because they don't have the money to just build a ton of stations and have them be empty. But, you know, it's a slightly diff- different take on it from Elon, I would say. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're complimentary statements, you know, complimentary with an E there. But regardless, I really, really liked what Elon had to say about that. Finally, the last clip from the earnings call that I've got for you is about full self-driving features and Europe. Um, I'm, I, you know, I don't like ending segments on bad notes, uh, so thankfully I've got a couple of fun good news bits after this. But as far as the last clip I have from the earnings call, uh, those of you who are listening to this podcast from Europe, uh, this is <laughs> this is not going to be music to your ears. This is going to be the opposite of that. But here's Elon on what's going on with full self-driving and Europe. Um, yeah, we expect to be able to offer full self-driving actually everywhere except uh, EU because of this. there's, there's uh, just some uh, committee rules that were put in place years ago that, that need to be changed. It, it's not from a technical standpoint. It's very doable. Uh, but we just need to work through the regulatory committees to, um, to, to get the... Re- Regulatory approvals and, and and rules change, and it, it it just it'll just take a bit longer than than other places. But I think we'll see uh, a lot of pressure from our customers in Europe to have these rules changed so they can have access to full self-driving. Um, and I think at the end of the day, the you know regulators will will answer to to the public. Um, so so I think that's uh, it, it's just a temporary thing, and it's, and it's quite specific to. To the to EU uh, rules, um, and and we were just not present really when those rules were drafted, 
So that, that's so they sort of got put in place, but they, they, don't, they, they don't make a ton of sense, but we just got to work through the process to change them. Well, you heard Elon, European listeners. Feel free to start contacting your national governments to politely and respectfully, those are the key words, politely and respectfully request that they revisit their apparently restrictive policies on full self-driving automobiles. Now, odds are they won't act until they have technology and safety statistics that they can actually see out in the real world. In other words, until it's out in the U.S. and China and Tesla can point to it and say, look, it's working here. But, um, you know, it is on Tesla now, of course, to deliver that. But uh, a fair warning to my European friends, get ready because your grassroots efforts may very well be needed here in the not-too-distant future. All right, that is the end of the earnings call, at least all the highlights. A couple of more things before I move on here, a couple other news bits for the week. A quick note from the shareholder letter that wasn't covered in the earnings call, and that is this, full self-driving features, you know, that was talked about a lot on the call, they are creeping closer. Listen to this, uh, this is a quote from the shareholder letter, quote, we are making progress towards stopping at stop signs and traffic lights. This feature is currently operating in shadow mode in the fleet, which compares our software algorithm to real-world driver behavior across tens of millions of instances around the world, end quote. So that's great news. That means they are, you know, it's, it's there. It's buried in our cars now. And hopefully that means we're around six months away from, from getting it as an active, usable feature, or maybe, you know, hopefully less than six months, because, you know, Elon had said by the end of the year, and I know we're at the end of July now, but, you know, I'm kind of saying six months to put a little padding on it, but maybe less if we're lucky. And finally this week, two new Tesla arcade updates for those of you that enjoy playing video games in your car. First, a new game, chess. You can now play chess on your Tesla touchscreen. You can either play against the car, you know, against the AI. You can play against another human player in your car. You know, it's, you, there's no online play, but if you've got two people in the car, you can play two-player. Or you can let the car play against itself, which is, of course, just, you know, having, <laughs> having the AI play against itself. If you just want to watch and learn, uh, so that, that is coming up for you in the next major software rollout. Now, when I got home from my trip, I got updated to 24.4 and the games are not in there. So they'll be in the next, uh, significant release after that, apparently. And then the other gaming update from the Tesla arcade, as promised, as you heard, uh, the Ralph, one of the, the developers behind Beach Buggy Racing 2, interviewed by me on this podcast, uh, recently, he had mentioned that that gamepad support was coming, and it, and it has now rolled out, or at least you know again it will in that same uh, next update coming in the next you know few days or a week or so. Uh, so two players can play both with USB gamepads. If you're looking for one, I get asked this a lot. I recommend the Xbox One controller. I think it's I think it's the best controller out there overall. You know, plenty of people prefer the DualShock controller from PlayStation. I'm an Xbox controller guy myself. I like my thumbsticks offset. I like the feel of the triggers better, but, you know, to each their own. But if you are looking for a recommendation, 
that is mine. Now, as a bonus to that next update that will deliver chess and the controller update for Beach Buggy Racing 2, some great news for those of you who have multiple drivers on the same Tesla. You know, perhaps you and your spouse each drive the car. You're going to now be able to link keys to driver profiles. So this is a quote from the release notes. You can now link a specific key to a driver profile to allow your car to automatically select the correct driver profile when the linked key is detected next to the driver's door, end quote. That means when uh, you come up to your driver's door and get in, the car is going to select your profile with your seating and mirror preferences. And let's say it's your spouse. If your spouse comes up to the car with their key, uh, comes up to the driver's side, I should say, it will load his or her settings when they get in the car. So that's a long-awaited feature. Big ups, thumbs up to the Tesla software team. You guys are awesome. Love it. All right, that does it for that bit of news, as well as, of course, the heart of the show this week being the recap and analysis of the earnings call from Q2. Stick with me, though. I'll be right back with your pro tip of the week and some final thoughts right after this. You know, I'm sorry, I forgot to add for, again, those of you, I know there's a lot of you out there who are new to the podcast since the Elon interview, and you might be wondering, wait a minute, where are the phone calls? Well, on the earnings call episodes once a quarter, I typically don't do the phone calls uh, just for that episode, just for this episode, because uh, I'm just, you know, I want to be so respectful of your time. And the show, it's already about an hour and nine minutes long at this point in the show, which is as long as a normal show typically is, and I've just got a little bit more to go here. So it's just a, it's just a matter of, you know, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. So I'm hanging on to your calls. I've been getting them. They keep coming in. That's great. I've been listening to them. They'll be back on next week's show uh, at their, their regularly scheduled <laughs> time and place in the podcast. So do feel free to keep your phone calls coming on in. All right. Uh, for me... You know, I just got back from my trip. I came back to a very dusty Model 3. <laughs> my car was caked in a lovely layer of dust when I got back to the, the parking garage at the airport. So I will be giving it a nice, well-deserved wash tomorrow. That'll be, a, that'll be a cathartic experience. It will feel very good to get all that, that dust off of there and get my spirit of adventure all nice and cleaned up. Now, let's do a tip of the week here. So for that... We go out to uh, one of the many wonderful callers who have chimed in with a tip of the week. Keep, feel free to keep sending those in, by the way. I, I love getting them. I've got a nice backlog of them. I've got a good idea for, for how I'm going to get those out to you in a, in a you know, big way so that they're not all just sitting in, in, in queue on my, uh, on my computer. But anyway, here is your pro tip of the week. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Uh, yeah, it's James again from the Bay Area. Sorry to bother you, but um, I have a pro tip, or at least a tip that's new to me. Um, yeah, if you're driving and then you go to park and you put your car in park by pushing the park button on the stock, it'll go ahead and put you in park. But if you press it again, it unlocks the car so you can open your trunk or frunk. I didn't know that. I would always just press the uh, little lock symbol 
on the screen so we would unlock the car and then open my trunk or frunk. I never knew that. So I just recently discovered it. Who knows, maybe uh, others didn't know this either. All right, Ryan. James, you are not bothering me. I love your good calls. You always call in with good stuff, and this is another good one. You know, I knew that you could hold that park button for a second time in order to activate that tighter e-brake, but I don't think I knew about that lock-unlock shortcut. I'm like you. I always just touch the lock icon on the screen, so that's a nice little shortcut. It's just that double tap. Thank you very much for that, and again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something to pass along to your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, something you've learned about your car that may not be obvious, that may not be covered in the manual. You can call in with it in the same way that you call in to the regular Ride the Lightning hotline. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for more tips. Every show, every single show has got a new pro tip of the week. Thanks to all of you guys sending in so darn many good ones. All right, before I hit the road, I would like to mention a couple of things. First... Uh, Patreon. That is the big way that you can support the podcast if you so choose. I mean, you support it simply by listening to it, and believe me, I greatly appreciate that. But, you know, the the earnings call shows here the most amount of time. These these episodes take the longest uh, compared to a regular show. You know, there's a lot of listening, a lot of note-taking, a lot of getting time codes and chopping up sound files and a lot of editing and uh it takes a while to do these i really like how they turn out so hey i'm not complaining but you know if it's if you feel that i have earned your support because i think that's important you know i no one should I, I, i don't think that i should just be handed your support but if you decide hey ryan you've earned my support i'd love to support your your podcasting efforts you can do so on patreon and find more information about that on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There are different tiers, little, little extra perks that you can get depending on the tier that you decide to support at. There's uh, the early access tier where you can get the show a little early each week. Then the tier above that is the monthly additional bonus episode you get as well as the early access, and then it kind of, there's a couple little steps up from there as well. So take a look at the Patreon page if you feel so inclined. But again, if not, hey, I just, I'm thankful that you're here, but uh, that's that. So what else? I'm on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan, if you're uh, on Twitter and you'd like to follow me there. I'm also on Instagram. That's actually where my Instagram is all Tesla all the time. My Instagram is the same handle, DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, If you are in the market for detailing, for some detailing services on your car, and you're either in the Bay Area or you're going to be here, you're taking delivery, well, Immaculate Reflections, I can basically promise you to to a ludicrously high certainty based on my experience with with Jeff as a a professional and as a person— that you are going to be taken, you and your car will be really well cared for. So if you're interested in a, you know, just a nice like clay bar, full detail, deep cleaning, he can do that for you. If you want to do paint correction, he's very capable there. Uh, Paint protection film, he's got that. As you know, I mentioned every week right now, he's running that, that special for listeners of this podcast. $250 off paint protection film if you're doing the whole car. If you're just doing the front end of the car, which, you know, hey, if you're 
if you can't do the whole thing, doing the front end is, you know, that's where you're going to get the probably the bulk of your of your potential rock chip damage. So he's got $100 off of that. Uh, and then if ceramic coating, if that's of interest, if you're someone that says, you know what, I want my car to look like it's been waxed, but I don't want to have to wax it or get it waxed every six months. Well, a ceramic coating is exactly what you need. And Immaculate Reflections is offering $100 off of that as well. So find out more on all that stuff. Find out what what's right for you, what's going to work for you, what you're interested in for your car at irdetailing.com. That's how you can get in touch with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. If you are purchasing a uh, Jada wireless charging pad for your Model 3 and or the Jada wireless or sorry, the Jada USB hub with that cool little dummy door to hide your your, de- your Tesla Cam uh, Sentry Mode USB stick inside, as well as give you some extra USB ports. I don't have a discount code for it, sadly, but if you decide you're buying one, I would super appreciate if you would use my referral link because, full transparency, Jada will throw a few bucks my way if you do as a way of uh, you know knowing that you came from this podcast. So my referral link for that is getjada.com. That's G-E-T-J-E-D-A dot com, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. So do take give that a look if you're interested there. Meanwhile, uh, there is, of course, Abstract Ocean. Tons of great Tesla accessories there from uh, vinyl wraps. If you want to, you know, un- de-fingerprint, <laughs> I mean, well, or protect against, I should say, fingerprints and scratches on that, uh, the factory piano black finish there, or, you know, you want to do a, a glass, tempered glass screen protector for your Model 3 screen, or a lighting kit, you know, make a, a brighter LED kit for the footwells, or the trunk, or the frunk, or, uh, or a different color. Maybe you want a different color. All that stuff they've got at abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your very first order. I think, let's see, is that everything? Yeah, let's see. Email me if you're interested, teslapodcast at gmail.com. That's also where you can send phone calls if you're not using the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. And uh, supercharging, 1,000 free supercharging miles, if you're buying a new Tesla with a referral code, again, try to use someone else's because I'm very fortunate to uh, to have lifetime supercharging on my car. But if you if I'm the only Tesla person in your life right now, and you just need a code to make sure that you get your thousand free supercharging miles when you place your order, you can use my code. It is uh, it is this. You type this into a, a web browser to then go and order your car through. It's ts.la slash Ryan73014. And before I go, I want to thank the Patreon producers. These wonderful folks are supporting me at the producer tier, which means they get their name shouted out every week. They get that bonus episode every month, and they get early access to the podcast every week. My newest Patreon producer is David Perella. Thank you so much, David, and welcome to the Patreon producers. I also want to thank DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, 
Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Josh, Jeremy, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, My Tesla Adventure, Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Lambert Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, and Neil Weaver. Thank you all so very much. If you're not already subscribing to the podcast, that is a free thing, not a money thing. Uh, It just means the show will be downloaded to you. It will be pushed to you each and every week. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. That's in your car. You can can sign up and sub in your car, which is cool. I'm also on Spotify, uh, on YouTube as well. Again, just audio only. There's no video on YouTube. Believe me, I've got a radio face. You don't want to see this. Uh, although I could just point the camera at the puppy, but no, it's, <laughs> it's a podcast. Uh, but yeah, it's on YouTube if you want to get it there. So check me out wherever you please. Hopefully one of those options works for you. I presume so if you're hearing this. So for a napping Daisy the Boxer puppy, I want to wish all of you a wonderful weekend, wonderful week. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.